1: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
2: KMOX, and your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Now, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks,
3: thanks for stopping by. We'll be taking a good gardening stroll shortly, but 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. With any kind of questions, comments, or concerns, Alex will be answering the phone. I was shocked to see him here today. He was supposed to be off having fun and everything else, but uh, some problems happened with the schedule, the producer. So he stepped up, and it should be a little extra in his paycheck as a result of that. So we just hope so. But anyway, so just when you call, he just needs your first name and where you're calling from. Mr. Kelly, want to hear an interesting story?
4: I love interesting stories.
3: <laughs> you know, I'm really old, so I I don't do smartphones. I refuse, oh, really? I refuse to do smartphones. Really? Tracy yeah. used to do them, and then she, she's given up. Yeah. So we went to a restaurant, and to look at the menu, they had a skew, <laughs> and you had to have your smartphone to look at the menu. Man, this leaves and, you out. Yes. Yes, so what'd you do? Well, they've us out hard copy. One paper. of those old fashioned ones.
4: Yeah. <laughs> right. Did they charge extra for that?
3: Yes, they did. Did they? <laughs> we had to eat the paper.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I hope that wasn't as good as the meal. Yeah.
3: That was it just tell you know, mm-hmm. caught us completely by surprise because we saw those little skews, you know, signs. Right. Uh-huh. You know, and they would bring them when they seat you. Right. And I thought, hmm, I wonder what this is. And then the guy said, Do you have your smartphones? No. Oh, no. (laughs)
4: Well, you know, you can't go to events now. I mean, a lot of the ticketing is now on your phone. I know. So, yeah, you're just going to, you know, have to sit at home and do nothing. Right. Well, that's kind of what we're doing anyway. But... (laughs) So are you gonna get a smartphone now so you can you can join the rest of the world or, or No, I'm no? not
3: smart enough to have a smartphone. You're
4: not? Gonna no. get a dumb phone?
3: I have dumb phones.
4: Dumb phones. <laughs> yeah, well, well. You gotta you know, modern world, you gotta keep up, man.
3: I don't want to Or you to. don't have to. You don't have
4: to. No. No. I don't blame you. I spend way too much time on mine. <laughs> that, wait, I gotta go. I gotta I gotta tweet, a text, and a message here <laughs> <laughs> see you later see
3: you <laughs> yes folks saturday morning it's what this is we get together and have a discussion about what's impacting your yard whether it's front side back or wherever and uh that specialty garden space huh? what's wrong with your tomatoes hmm, i don't know What's wrong? Those peppers still look pretty good, though. Uh, Taste of the tropics. Houseplants. I brought mine in last week, so they they're in under the grow lights in the basement, and uh, started planting my Operation Brightside tulips, and uh, or is it Brightside St. Louis? Sorry, but in uh, tulips and da- and daffodils both. So I got about uh, two thirds of them planted in pots. I do that every year, so. I did that last week as well. So potting mix, that's what I plant them in, not potting soil. And if you want to improve your soil, we can give a call and I will let you know my insight on it. And please remember, mine is not the only garden path to take and uh, just to offer you an option. So if I say something that uh, somebody else disagrees with, well, that's the way it goes. I'm not smart enough to have a smartphone, so I'm not smart at all. But anyway... This is your show, and I appreciate you inviting me into your home, car, or wherever you happen to be listening. As I said before, another very important player who wasn't expected to be here today is Alex. He's producing. I'm Mike Miller, by the way. Garden Hotline since 1994. That was in the last century. Oh, my goodness gracious. That shows you how old I am. I can come to your home and do the landscape consultations. Today after the show, I'm headed to Oakville. And uh, off R- Ringer and uh, Mel and all those other let's say roads down in that direction and that's a walk and talk if you'd like for me to come to your home and do a walk and talk a couple of people have called and left messages sorry i've got uh, had some complications this past week and haven't had a chance to get back to everyone but you can go to my website mikemillerdesigns.com home page that's where my email address and phone number where i can be reached all right let's get moving Today's stroll is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Wedged between Christie Boulevard and Gravois, as they say uh, when you call our local Walgreens, they don't say Gravois, they say Gravois. But anyway, maybe that's the French way. Uh, It's a great kind of area. This wedge space is an arboretum. It's a playground. It's a soccer, baseball field. has a very steep slope, which is great for sledding, and uh, has a historic limestone building, which part of it is for uh, maintenance and all that other equipment, and then restrooms, which probably have been locked for several, you know, months, just like most of the stuff. But anyway, what this is is it's a Joseph R. Leisure Park, which was once at a time historically part of the Christie Park, but they subdivided this part to honor Mr. Leisure. And uh, Rosa Avenue actually cuts through there as well. It bisects the wedge. The playground recently reopened, but it does require face mask, and another sign reminds social distancing. So I guess if you're kids, you have to remember, you don't climb the ladder to get onto the slide. You know, you have to let the person get all the way to the top before you... (laughs) Uh, Start up the ladder. And uh, the trees range from purple beech trees to bald cypress to oaks to sycamores. There's a huge cottonwood tree, which, boy, when it is in flower finished flowering, that cottonwood just blows all over the place. In other words, actually the seeds. But uh, it's really just kind of a a neat space. Normally what happens, oh, the oak tree is... Huge. It's actually a street tree, but the caliper of this thing is probably six feet. I mean, it's massive. It's lifted the sidewalk up entirely, So, but they're just kind of leaving it alone. And so when you're walking along there, you just have to be conscious and know you got to step up to get around it. Historically, the soccer goals would be up this time of year in place, and there would be games routinely happening. But not this year. You know why. The low areas where puddles usually occur after any kind of rain, that's the home for the bald cypress. There's tons of squirrels here, a few rabbits, and there's robins and blue jays. They dominate as far as the birds go. There's benches along the way to stop and enjoy. A newer drinking fountain was put in. Well, unfortunately, can't get a drink there, at least not this time of year. And uh, boy, oh boy, this era is just, experiencing all kinds of other things. So, when you're walking along there underneath some of the ac- <laughs> underneath some of the oak trees, the squirrels are just going nuts eating the uh, acorns. And I mean the ground is it's like confetti after a big, you know, Mardi Gras parade or something. It's just a huge amount. And uh, the a lot of the trees are still holding on to the foliage. And some of them are so strikingly spectacular, it is just really nice. And uh, as I was standing there, uh, crows were flying overhead, and they were saying, well, it's time for you to go. So got in the car and headed towards KMOX. So again, if you have any questions, concerns, or comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these
2: messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks,
3: we are back, and why don't we go over to Al's yard. He lives in Baldwin. Hey, Hi, good Al. morning,
5: Mike. Good morning. Uh, question about roses. We have some that are knockouts, and all I can say about the others is that they're not knockouts. We'd like to uh, cut them back. Uh, what percentage of the uh, rose can we cut back
3: well you're not going to do it yet okay so i mean wait you know wait until it really gets you know kind of a cold snap and then okay. percentage wise with the knockout roses i don't like to cut any kind of shrub regardless of what it is back more than 20 percent at the most and the regular roses if they're hybrid teas grandifloras, floribundas you really only want to cut them back to about uh You know, I mean, miniatures doesn't apply to that. But back to about 18 inches or so.
5: 18 inches. I think they're called long stems. Yeah. So about 18 inches from the ground, or cut 18 inches off of them.
3: No, you can cut them, you know, you can cut them back to about 18 inches. You should be able to.
5: Gotcha. Okay. Thank you very much. I appreciate
3: it. Certainly. My pleasure. And now let's go from Al's over to Sandy's. Hi, Sandy.
6: Hi. Hi. I live in uh, Columbia, Illinois, and my son has a home next to mine, and we're starting to get a lot of zoysia in our yard, and we were trying to figure out what the best way is
7: to get rid of that.
3: Uh, Basically, you're going to have to use herbicides to kill it off, either grass killers or you can use Roundup if you're not opposed to using Roundup. Um, That's what he was thinking about doing was using Roundup. Yeah, not this time of year, though. Don't bother. Because it's the play, zoysia is shutting down, so the absorption of the herbicide would be minimal at best, and then consequently you're not going to get uh, you know the end results. So next year when it starts greening up, that's when you want to go after it.
7: Okay, great, great. Yeah, that's what he had suggested, and I told him I was going to call you and
3: see what you thought. So I mean, it's a good all-purpose and. Uh, I mean, it's got a bad reputation for, you know, a couple reasons. But uh, I've used it since I worked at the Botanical Garden in the 70s. And, um, you know, I'm happy with it.
8: Okay. Well, great. Thank you so
3: much. Sure. And now let's head over to Ray's yard. Hi, Ray.
9: Hi, Mike. How are you doing this morning? Very good. That's good. We live here in Washington, Missouri. And a couple of years ago, we bought a tiger-eye sumac. At that time bush or tree, small tree it was about three feet high, and they planted it quite close to the house and it has it was sort of just meandering there as far as I'm concerned, but this past summer it has blossomed it's grown to over six feet high and over eight feet in diameter. Now, right. the problem is it's over going a lot of stuff in in the garden and that, so how much when and how much of that can I? Trim back.
3: Now, is this multiple trunks or is this a single trunk?
9: No, it's multiple trunks.
3: Yeah. So it's a, the classic sumac as far as colonizing and everything else. Um, you know, I mean, ideally, can you? Well, it's probably too big to move, but uh, just selectively take out the ones that you need to because it's tough enough, tough enough, and durable enough that it should be able to recover. Oh, okay. So take them all the way. The ones you want to get rid of because it's overgrowing spaces and things like that, cut them all the way to the ground. But realize that this is a colonizer, so then there's going to be more suckers coming up, you know, off the root Mm -hmm. system. So this is going to be a constant, ongoing process.
9: Well, that's that's what it has to be done. That was that's what we'll do. This this fall was the first time that we really got the colorful leaves in there, and it was just it was gorgeous. That oh, was yeah. the most gorgeous thing that I'd seen. So that's
3: that's but, one of the hybrids is well worth it.
9: Yeah, you're not joking. That's for sure. Okay, well, thank you, Mike. I appreciate the time and effort. Okay.
3: Sure, my pleasure. And, okay, bye. Uh, Laura, how are you today?
6: I'm good. How are you? Very good. Good. My question is, I put out the, uh, the elephant ear bulbs in, in my garden area or in a flower bed, and I want to know what I do to them. Do I let the frost cut them back before I dig up the bulbs, or how do I, what do I do with them or how do I handle them once I dig them up?
3: Basically, you, I don't like to wait till the frost gets them because they get really mushy. I've already okay. f- pulled all my elephant ears out. And okay. what I do is I dig them up, shake all the soil or potting mix, depending upon if they were in the ground or in pots, off. Then I put them in the garage on, like, a wooden pallets that yeah. I have newspaper on. And I just leave them in the garage for a couple weeks until they get, you know, until all the soil that's, you know, still stuck to the bulb uh, uh-huh. dries up. Then I shake all that soil off or potting mix. And then I put them in paper bags, and then take them into the basement.
6: Oh, okay. Uh, one other question: I have a, uh, a bunch of tulip bulbs. I don't really have an area that I can plant them in the ground. How would I put them in a? I've got a large pot that I could plant them in. Do I do that now in the soil, or do I wait till spring and plant them? Or well,
3: if you wait till spring, then you're not going to get any flowers. Oh, okay. So you do it now. I've planted, you know, my Brightside St. Louis uh, tulips. I think, the, uh, let's see, they're bright side reds. Uh-huh. I've, let's see, I've got a couple hundred. But anyway, I've already planted them this past week in pots. Just make sure there's a little bit of a buffer in between the edge, the outer perimeter of the pot, and the first bulbs you put in. And okay. so like uh, two or three inches, should be enough of a buffer, and that's just in case we have a severe winter. And Uh I put my bulbs really tight, about two inches apart.
6: Okay. So about how deep do you plant them in the pot? Uh,
3: Depends upon, you know, some pots you can't do it, but uh, basically like any place around six inch, four to six inches is how deep I do. Okay. And what I do is I put daffodils below them because they go down another two inches. So I have them both in the same pot, but I don't put them all on the same layer.
6: Oh, okay. Uh, and you just leave your pots set outside?
3: I, yep, sit outside. I just make sure that they're not underneath the eave of the house. So, in uh-huh. other words, when it rains or anything, it's going to keep them dry. Because if you put them under the eave and they get dry during the wintertime and it gets super cold, it could be damaging to the bulbs.
6: Oh, Okay. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate your help.
3: Well, my pleasure.
6: Thanks a lot.
3: Sure. And mm-hmm. let's go now to Janine's yard. Hi, Janine.
7: Hello. Hi. Hi. Uh, I have a large hosta bed. Should I cut those down completely to the ground or they're beautiful yellow now? <laughs> <laughs>
3: well, if you want to watch them, you know, turn yellow, you don't really have to cut them. It's not like some of the, you know, some of the things we, you know, I've already, I talk about or whatever. Because, I mean, they'll just sort of melt down and then sort of, ev- I don't want to say evaporate, but basically aesthetically evaporate over the wintertime. And, uh, and you can cut them off if you want to, but you don't have to.
7: It's a lot of work. It's
6: yes. it's
3: big, <laughs>
7: <laughs> And also, uh, I grew up with my brothers, and we played a lot of time in Christie Park. We loved it.
3: Oh, really? Great.
7: Yes. We lived on Gaynor off of Rosa Oh. Avenue, yeah, and we spent a long time there. Yeah. Yeah, oh, that was nice that you had that on this morning. Thank yeah, you. well,
3: uh, we live right across the street from Christie Park at Carlsbad and Rosa.
7: Oh, yeah, yeah. I had friends
3: there, kids,
7: uh, childhood friends oh, lived up there. Yeah, it was wonderful. Yes.
3: Okay, well, thank you for your help. Sure, my pleasure. Bye. And let's see if we can get another call before break. Yes, Sherry, how are you today? Hi. <clears throat> Hi,
8: Mike. I have a question about raised beds. We're in the process of building some, and I want to get the compost mix to put in there. Can I do that this year and let it sit all winter, or would that be bad?
3: No, no, that's fine.
8: Okay, so it can just sit there. And then do you have any insight into growing pumpkins? That's something I've always wanted to try.
3: No, no more than just following, you know, you're going to get the pumpkin seeds and then just follow the information on the uh, the packet. Okay. When you get these funky pumpkins,
8: I've got some blue and white ones in the fall. If I save the seeds, is that what's going to come up, or is this some sort of
3: magic mix? They probably won't come back as the hybrid is what you anticipated. So, in other words, they've been specially hybridized to make that particular one. Now, maybe somebody can call in and let me know that I'm wrong, but I think it's not necessarily going to revert back. Completely, but it's not going to look like the ones that you have now.
8: Okay,
10: thank you so much. I look forward to Saturday mornings and your show every week.
3: (laughs) Well, thanks for having me on your show. (laughs) Okay, bye bye. Sure. And let's, Judy. How are you today? Hello. Hi.
10: Um, I want to. Would you to recommend a treat? To act as a screen, um, I'm going to plant it in the back along the alley. There's a six-foot-high privacy fence, but I want screening above the six feet. And the landscaper wants to use arborvita, and I don't care for arborvita because they get bagworms. What else could I use?
3: Well, I mean, any, I mean, you can't use junipers then because junipers get bagworms, but just because they get them doesn't necessarily mean they're going to get them. It's not just because you have arborvitae, you're guaranteed of getting bagworms. So do you want something evergreen? Yes. And how much space width-wise are you willing to give up? Oh, 10 feet. 10 feet wide? 12 feet. Oh, let's see. I'd probably I'd probably take a look. It's going to be a lot more expensive than what the arborvitae is, but there's some narrow-growing, upright, uh, like... Blue spruces and things along that line. Take a look at those. Okay. And they're going to be narrow, but like I said, because they're you know genetically been altered, they're going to be a little bit more expensive than what you might anticipate. But uh, would it take two of them to cover the the twenty foot space? Uh, take more than that. Probably Three of them, because they're you know narrow and upright. They're going to probably maybe put them on five foot center, so they probably take four of them.
8: Four of them,
10: right. okay. What about Leland Cypress? Is that a good screening tree?
3: Uh, that's not bad, but it's going to get a lot bigger than what you anticipate, height-wise. Yeah, height-wise, width-wise, and everything else.
10: Okay, all right. But did that would—is that an evergreen?
3: Uh, generally not. I mean, okay. it is—it is kind of, but for the most part, and they're—they're they're really slow growing too. Okay, thank you very much. Sure. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these
2: messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX.
3: Happy birthday, Emily. Emily is Alex's wife. Tomorrow is her birthday, so it's not today. That's why he was supposed to be off. They were going to party on all weekend long and, you know, shows his dedication. And his his wife, Emily, was very understanding. She said, if you got to do it, you got to do it. So anyway, we've got some phone lines open as well, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. First name and where you're calling from is all Alex needs. Let's head over to Ed Yard. Hi, Ed.
11: Yes, Mike, I think I have the answer to the fellow that called in last week with the trees that had leaves like elephant ears and they grew like bamboo. Yeah. Yeah, I think those are castor bean trees. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, he. Uh, the only thing I don't understand, he said he cuts them down, they come back every year. But if they're coming back, they've got to be coming back from seeds.
3: Right, C- castor bean. But they, what the castor bean can do, is it can drop seeds, then they will yeah. come back from seed. Right.
11: Yeah, but I I think he's talking about the castor bean trees. He said they had big leaves like uh, elephant ears, or castor beans aren't quite as big as the elephant ears, but they're pretty similar to that, and the stalk is like bamboo also.
3: Yeah, it is, but castor beans, have their leaf is more like a star.
11: Right, right, yeah, they look more like a marijuana leaf.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, sort of. I mean, I've been growing castor beans for a long, long time. Before the— the new uh, baseball stadium was built. They used to grow castor beans outside the old stadium, yeah. and I, well, I stole some castor bean seeds from there years ago. So every couple of years, I do grow them myself. Yeah, but I, I didn't. I, I, I've been
11: I, doing it for years. I just, I just some trees. Uh, like this year, I had seven trees, and only one of them got the seeds on them. Really? So it, it puts off enough that, uh, you know, I'll I'll put them in the basement and crack them open in the spring and plant them and they'll uh, I get them every year I give them to the neighbors all the neighbors around me have them now too
3: <laughs> and the neat thing is too they got some really great looking seeds they're so speckled-y looking yeah
11: yeah they're hard to get the seed out of that pod right they're sticky
3: yes <laughs> <laughs> thorny well thanks greatly okay. appreciate it I didn't I would have not I didn't think of castor bean at all because uh-huh. I kept thinking catalpa tree you know and that's yeah. that wasn't gonna work. Because I was trying to think of things with, like, elephant ears. Yeah, when
11: he said it was like bamboo, I got to thinking, well, these stalks are like bamboo.
3: Right. Well, great. Well, thanks, Ed. Okay. Greatly appreciate it. Also, uh, somebody emailed me, too. A lady called last week about an oak leaf holly, and I said I never really heard of an oak leaf holly. But somebody emailed me and said he actually found it. I guess on, he did a search on Google or something. So there is a holly that has an oak leaf. I haven't seen what it looks like. I didn't look at it myself as far as on the Internet. But uh, uh, if I get one more thing wrong or I don't know the answer, the garden hotline's over for me. Oh. Elisa? Elise? Elias. Elias. Sorry. Elias, how are you today?
12: Oh, just fine. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. I have annual uh, echaladium. usually for almost six, seven years. It's bloom. Uh, you know, the leaves are very beautiful. Now, shall I get the pot inside? It is in the pot. Usually what I do, sometimes I get the pot inside and then next year or take all the bulb out and repot it with a new uh, potting mix, or I leave it outside. It will survive the winter.
3: Uh depends upon what the winter is going to be like, but I would not do that. If you really like it a lot, don't do that. Don't leave it outside.
12: All right. All right. Uh, can I take the bulbs out or uh, leave it uh, there?
3: No, you can take the bulbs out.
12: Yeah, okay. Eric. And then the other question is about the yews and evergreen. When is the best time to prune them next year?
3: Uh, next year, before the new growth begins. So, in other words, probably around Valentine's Day to mid-March or something like that, prune them prior to that. That way, we're finished with the worst part of winter, so you're not going to get winter burn on them. You're not going to have sort of the the ugly-looking tips, and then the new growth is going to kind of cover up where you you did the pruning.
12: Okay. How about the uh, Japanese uh, maple?
3: Um. Most of the maples, all the maples, really would prefer to be pruned during the summertime as opposed to any other time of the year.
12: Like June, July? Yeah.
3: The reason for that is all the maples have a high amount of sap flow during the winter, and it's probably not going to really hurt them all that much. It's just aesthetically it becomes kind of ugly to see, you know, let's say the trunks dripping more, or stuff dripping down the trunks.
13: Oh, okay.
12: Yeah, because it, it's getting too big and uh, it goes over the stair, you know, stairs. So, oh, yeah.
13: If it's the <laughs> same thing, well, like, about
12: it... two weeks ago, but not much, you know. Right. So make it nice and neat.
3: But, uh, and if...
12: second thing I have Zosia, and the utility came, there's an accident, and they dig in my yard for some reason, and I think they put Fescue. Now it's mixed. I love zoysia, you know. How I can uh, get uh, get rid of the fescue?
3: Well, basically, you can just let the zoysia kind of run over the top of it, or in the springtime, I mean, the fescue, you probably have an opportunity if you want to. You can go out there now and uh, just make sure it doesn't drift onto the zoysia, although it probably shouldn't do any harm, and just kill off the fescue now. And because it is a cool-season lawn and it is still actively growing, But we're getting really near the end of it before it's going to become ineffective to put any kind of herbicide on even cool season lawns. So you might get some, you know, like a Uh, grass killer at at your favorite garden center and just give it a shot and see what happens. And then next year when, uh, you know, things start warming up, go after it again.
12: Okay, I will. Yeah. So, okay, I do that. Thank you for your service, Mike.
3: Sure, my pleasure. But I agree with you. I have Zoiza myself. And uh-huh. when a, a Spire came in and uh, they had to do the gas line and all this other stuff, when they right. fixed things, they just put some seed down and it is, you know, fescue, probably.
12: Yeah, yeah. This is what I figured out. And now, you know, the county has to put fiber optic, you know. Ah yeah so I said I'm not going to do anything till the finish, yeah. you know, and then I make a mind because I am on brown Road, which is main county road mm-hmm. in winter time, you know when they plow the snow with salt, I have about oh, uh, one foot from my lawn is dead, I guess because of the salt
3: right sure so, and if
12: we can treat that
3: with I didn't understand what your question was.
12: Uh, you know, with the, salt, uh, with the salt in the soil, right? Uh, how I can uh, improve the soil.
3: Uh, basically, you want to try to—I would get a soil test done, to be honest with you, and find out what the soil pH is. And once okay. you find out if it's really alkaline as a result of the salt, then consequently you can c- compensate by bringing in, like, sulfur to c- counteract what the, uh, you know, the alkalinity is.
12: Okay. All right. Great. Well, thanks again then. Have a good day. Yep. Bye-bye Thank now. you
3: and thanks for your questions and everything else. Yeah. It's just uh you know when the utilities come in and you know do some work, they don't uh I mean they're they're conscientious and everything else but uh just throwing seed down in a bunch of straw. hmm.
12: That's right. This is what <laughs> they did, you know. <laughs> so, and I said I said, "What is that?" And then when I checked it I said, "Oh man, this is
3: Yes, rescue, exactly. Yeah, so. Right. Okay. All right, thanks. Thanks,
12: Mike, again.
3: (laughs) And Mike Miller, K M Y S Garden Hotline, back after these messages.
2: Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX.
3: Yes, folks, back to the phones we go, and we're going to Kurt's yard, and he lives in O'Fallon. Hi, Kurt. Hello, Kurt, are you there?
5: Yeah, I'm here, Mike. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Hey, I got a neighbor. She lives about a half mile up, and she has she has an ash tree that died from the emerald boar ash. Mm-hmm. Would it be a bad idea for me to cut that and bring it to my house? Uh, uh, I got a wood stove. I don't see any ash trees in my yard. I got a lot of white oaks and hickories.
3: Mm-hmm. No, there's no problem um, with that at all.
5: Okay. I was here, you know, don't transfer the wood or transport it, you know, out of state or whatever. So,
3: But, I, I mean, know. somebody that's that close to you. And the emerald ash borers, okay. they were all in the top of the tree. So probably that part of the tree was already run through a chipper. So that's not going to be the part that you have to, as firewood.
5: Right. I'm going to cut the tree down myself. So okay. I'll be cleaning it up and I'll be burning, you know, the, the top stuff. Right. Just some good logs that are really easy to cut up and won't have to split them.
3: Yeah. I um, mean, okay. Yeah. Go ahead and do that.
5: All right, Mike, I appreciate your help. Thank you.
3: My pleasure. And now let's go to Steelville, Illinois, and see what's going on with Glenn. Glenn, how are you?
14: Yeah, uh, I've got a garden, and I wonder, can I go ahead and put like 12-12-12 on it now and then till it up in the
3: Basically, don't bother because you'd just be wasting your money. A a fertilizer like Triple 12 is a one-season product. So by the time it came around for plants to grow, it would already be gone. Okay. So in other words, it was developed for the agricultural industry. So when they put out wheat or whenever, you know, farmers did things like that, one season type circumstance, that's why it was developed. So to, to put it in with the anticipation. Now, probably the phosphorus and potassium aspect, the last two numbers, they may stay, you know, somewhat consistent. But overall, it's not a product that you would be putting in now to help the plant material next year.
14: Same thing with 832-16?
3: 832-16. Uh, that's really, you know, I would before you did that, I would get a soil test done. Because of phosphorus and potassium, those last two numbers, they stay persistent in the ground for a long, long time. And if you get too high of level, it can be extreme and it can do actually more damage to your plants than it does good. So, I mean, 32 is really, you know, that is steep as far as the amount. So unless your soil is really, let's say, starving for phosphorus, you know, and or potassium, 16 is, you know, that's pretty high, too. So get a soil test done before you put something down like that.
9: Okay. We'll do
3: Okay, great. Thank you. Yeah, and I mean, it's just a matter of people getting soil tests, all of a sudden find out, you know, they've consistently put the same fertilizer down, whether it's in lawn, whether it's in garden space or anything else, and they're wondering why they keep fertilizing, but their plant material is not doing well or the lawn's not doing well or whatever it happens to be. And it's because they're getting extravagant levels of that phosphorus and potassium. So we always think it's kind of like food. You know, we all need calcium. We all need this. We all need that. But if we get too much of one thing, it could be damaging to, to people. And the same thing with the plant material as well. Uh, take a look right now in your own yard. Start looking for the annual cool season weeds. They're up. I mean, the hen bit is really... Uh, It's really taking off. Chickweed is taking off. I haven't really seen any annual bluegrass yet, but I'm I'm talking about things in my own yard because I say I don't use herbicides in my yard because I like to see what's coming up when it's coming up and everything else. But I'll tell you, the chickweed is rampant and the henbit is coming up all over the place. And so consequently, then I just go out this time of year, just spend some time and I just hand pull it because it's so easy to do. But uh, there's several other, you know, cool season weeds as well. Prickly lettuce, the speed well, which really grows flat. There's a type of rabbit's foot clover, shepherd's purse. So those are the main ones. But the henbit and the chickweed, they seem to be the most rampant right now. So if you do have questions or concerns, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. I will see you after the news.
2: KMOX and your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Now, Mike Miller on KMOX.
3: Yes, this second hour, the Garden Hotline is the tip of the trowel hour, and I'll be giving it shortly, but right now you can call 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 with your ideas, questions, concerns, or comments. So all the phone lines are open, so you're going to have plenty of opportunity to get in on your questions or whatever and i
4: <laughs> or whatever
3: yeah, yeah whatever yeah. whatever this show's about i don't even know <laughs> but anyway i heard sue tell you 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 have deer in your yeah she called
4: and said we had a, a young deer in the back might have been a young buck maybe had a little rack on it uh we don't see for some reason we're we're pretty much surrounded by woods behind us is all woods right and it's like, you know, about an acre and a half back, but it's still, it's a lot of woods. And then there are a lot of fields, cornfields, soybean,
3: Soy soybeans. <laughs>
4: soy I'm going home. Soybean <laughs> fields around. And now that the corn's been, you know, all, you know harvested, awesome. they're all, and I saw like four or five this morning down around the corner. So we just don't seem to have many in the yard. But she woke up this morning and called me and said, hey, we got a deer back there. So oh, that's pretty cool.
3: she get a picture of it?
4: No, she went for the phone and it ran away. <laughs> Little camera shot, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Uh, but, yeah, so that was pretty cool. Great way to start the day.
3: But, yeah, I mean, exactly. And now that you've had one, I mean, it kind of, they do their droppings, and that marks a trail, mm-hmm. so you might have a whole yard full so of
4: them. So, never know, In Next nice couple of days, we might have a, a whole bunch of them out
3: exactly. there. Exactly. Yeah. And one question about your peacock. Yeah. Uh, cooler weather?
4: Hanging out. It, it's lost its feathers. It's got one feather left. Whoa. One. I and it, it sticks out the back, and Sue's been after me for about two weeks to get it. And so I sneak up behind it and I tried to step on it the other day and he
0: just got out of the way
4: and I haven't been able to, I hope he drops it sometime and I hope he drops it in our yard so we can get it. Right. But he, yeah, he's like, he looks like a turkey I didn't without know they the, lost you know, he's just, yeah, the yeah, they lose their feathers. And, and so he's only really, and then he, he gets cocky when he has them. That's when he walks around and he fans, and Right. look at me, look at me. And now he's kind of like, yeah, I'm just a little bird, just a bird. So.
3: Uh, <laughs> good story. Thanks, Brian. You bet, Mike. Yes, folks. Thanks for having me on your show. We can discuss plant selection for caring, ups and downs, all-arounds, annuals. Pansies are really looking good. Uh, Your bulbs, your daffodils and tulips and things like that. Uh, Crocus, this is the time of year you should be getting them in the ground. Your cool-season vegetables, edibles. Yep, they're still doing very, very well. Ground covers, your houseplants, get them inside, and your lawns. Say goodbye to the actively growing zoysia. Hello to the more actively growing fescues and bluegrasses. Your perennials, most of them are headed downhill, even though a lot of them are quite, you know, I mean, you don't think of perennials being evergreens, but uh, there are quite a few varieties that stay persistent through the winter. I can't say they're evergreen, but they're keeping their foliage through the winter wintertime. Uh, your roses, shrubs, shrubs, trees, vines, water gardens. I'll share my thoughts, but again, remember, my answers, comments, and opinions is not the only garden path to take, but strictly offered for you to consider. Alex is here, he's producing, and uh, he will answer the phone. So your first name and where you're calling from is all he needs. And during the week, I spend my time doing landscape consultations, and I come to your home and see what's going on, help you out, uh, whether it's aesthetic or problem-solving, plant advice, the existing things, if it's a new home, you don't know what you've got there. Anyway, you can go to mike MikeMillerDesigns.com, the home page. That's my email and phone number. They're listed. You can contact me, and we'll schedule a walk and talk. Like I said, uh, today after the show, I'm headed towards Oakville. And when I come to your home, 40-plus years of experience. And I'll take a look, and we can see what we can do for you. Tip of the trial is a special recognition for individual, group, or a situation that's made an impression on me it's brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Tip of the trial goes out to—sorry. <coughs> I know there's a cough button, but I didn't push it. But uh, Bob and Lori, they live down the street from us. Like, Let's see, one, two, three, maybe four houses down the street. And uh, they have c- fall crocus blooming. Amen. And it's a pale blue. And it's so nice to see— Because, you know, this time of year, there's not a whole lot of things that are blooming. But uh, so anyway, Bob and Lori, thanks for planting your fall crocus. And there are some in Christie Park, too. And I'm curious if they didn't plant them themselves. So the interesting thing, too, is, you know, with the crocus, uh, the stigma of the crocus is what uh, saffron is. So in other words... The little, let's say, curly-looking things sticking up in the center of crocus takes 4,000 of those to equal one ounce of saffron. Can you imagine 4,000? That's those orange-red things. We put saffron on quite a few different things that we eat, Tracy and I do. But anyway, Bob and Lori, thanks a lot for the fall crocus. It's nice to see those characters blooming this time of year. Also... Uh, Tip of the trial goes out to the Bank of America. They're going to plant 150 trees working through and with Forest Relief. And these are native trees to be planted along uh, River de Père with a partnership, as I said before, of Bank of America. And Forest Relief and Bank of America, Great Rivers Greenway, and the City of St. Louis Parks and Recreation and Forestry are teaming up to plant 150 trees. And they're doing native trees along the River de Père. And it's going to be done today and from 9 till 12. 75 trees will be planted by community volunteers. The other 75 will be given to residents that might want to plant some in their yard. The reason why they're doing this is this is the neighborhood where I live. It's Germania Boulevard. I mean, it's not exactly, but it's close. And what it is is they had to take out so many ash trees as a result of that. And there has already been 111 ash trees removed from this uh, basic area and there's going to be an additional 180 more scheduled so these are trees to replace the ash trees that were having to be removed and it's really i mean some of these ash trees were substantial but uh they you know there's all the problems with the ash trees just kind of in general emerald ash borer oh, it's really kind of sad but uh, it's neat to see somebody stepping up and going to use some natives. And so the, what could be better than that? So greatly appreciated. So native trees to be planted along River De Pere in partnership with Bank of America. So they get the tip of the trowel as well. That Forest Relief people, they do some great work with a lot of the native stuff. So Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline, back after these messages.
2: Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX.
3: Yes, here we go, folks, to the phones, and we're going to John's Yard in St. Peter's. Hi, John.
15: Hi, how you doing? I love your show.
3: Well, it's your show.
15: Okay, well, thank you very much. Uh, I have uh, several questions. Uh, one is I have mums, and this is my first year for mums. Uh, when they start to die out, do I cut them down to the ground and then cover them with mulch, or do I just let them go?
3: Uh, You can just leave them alone if you want to. Now, did you buy these this fall, or did you buy them in the spring and been growing them?
15: No, actually, we're at a new house, and uh, some of them are like volunteers. Uh, So I'm just – they've been there for a while.
3: Okay, basically, just look at where the stems are going into the ground. There should be some little green leaflets right there. So you can leave – that just lets you know that they're going to be there next year. But oh, okay. uh, as far as what you need to do, you can cut them off if you want to, but you're better off to leave the stems through the wintertime. It adds a little bit of protection for those new foliages. And you don't put mulch over the top of You just put mulch up close to where the stems are coming up out of the ground. That should be adequate.
15: Oh, okay, all right. Uh, and then I have some burning bushes. Do I wait until the... Uh uh, leaves are all off before I trim it, or
3: yeah, I you know again I just even something tough like the burning bush, I just don't like to prune going into winter time because you okay. cut you cut off a bunch of stuff. We have a severe winter and you could have some major you know more let's say damage as far as how much you're going to lose. So if you can hold off and just do it in this you know late winter early spring before the new okay. growth begins.
15: All right. And then I have some evergreen bushes, uh like sisters and, you know, like, uh, around the house. Uh and I was wondering when I when I should trim those.
3: Uh, I would just leave them alone.
15: Okay, well, they're getting kind of big and I wanted to trim them, shape them up.
3: <laughs> yeah. Um again, going into winter, I am just a little bit apprehensive and p- some people say you're being a chicken or whatever, but uh that's just my own, uh, you know, own opinion. And uh, some people will do the pruning for the, you know, going into wintertime with no problems at all and probably have no damage. I'm just paranoid. And so if you want to go ahead okay. and prune them, go ahead. I would say wait until after, you know, Valentine's Day to do it.
15: Okay. All right. Uh And then the last thing is uh, planting grass seed. Am I too late for that?
3: Yeah, or? I think. So. Well, again, uh if you're going to do it, you know, Make sure that you got your you rake your lawn and everything first. You put the grass seed down. But, I mean, the ground is getting cool. Go to your favorite garden center and see if they have any soil thermometers. And if the soil thermometer, if you can find one or at Ace Hardware or Lowe's or Home Depot or wherever, and just if the soil temperature is getting below 50, the seed is not going to
15: germinate. Okay. So I'd be better off waiting until spring yeah, to do that? Yeah, right. Okay. All righty. Uh, that's all my questions, and I thank
3: you very much. Sure, my pleasure. And now let's go to Brady's. Hey, Brady.
8: Hello. Hi. I would. Li- I have a Monteville flowering plant, and I wondered how I could keep it from. For next year, I know people put it in the basement, and they take it out in the winter, and it grows back next year. How can I take care of that like they do? Uh, And should I cover it in the basement? And thank you. Now, what's the name of the plant that you have?
3: Monteville. Monteville. Manteville. Oh, Manteville Manteville vine. Yes. Okay. Uh, basically, you can bring it in if you want to. You don't have to. But um, if you don't, it's probably not going to make it through the wintertime. I see you at 813. I don't know exactly where you live. I live in Sandoval, Illinois. Okay. So I would say you're probably better off to bring it inside as opposed to leave trying to leave it outside to see if it'll survive, if you can. Is it in the ground or is it in a pot? It's in the ground, oh, uh, that's gonna be a lot of work, and I don't know if it's gonna be worth the effort. I would say, uh, just leave it where it is, put about four inches of mulch over the top of it, and keep your fingers crossed, okay, and then next year, if it doesn't you know it doesn't come back and you really like it then uh, go ahead and you're going to have to get another one.
8: If I put it in the basement, how should I take care of it?
3: Uh, Basically, just make sure that it doesn't go totally dry, but you don't want to keep it too wet. That's going to be the problem. And in the basement, just in general, uh, without any grow lights or anything, I don't know if it's going to be able to survive. Okay. Thank you. Yep. Sorry. Uh, Let's go to Anderson's. Hi Anderson.
13: Okay, listen. There I I got a over on the on the uh other side of yeah. the roof. Hello. On the edge. Everything. Fix everything.
3: everything? Yeah.
13: Do You're
15: it.
3: You're talking about the roof. Uh, I'm not... other... <laughs> let's go to Kay's yard then. Hi Kay. Hi, Mike. Uh thank you for taking
8: my call. I just wondered. I brought a couple of my house plant plants in from outside.
3: Mm-hmm. Should I fertilize those through the winter? No, definitely no. not. Unless they okay. were like orchids or something along that line, but just let's say classic house plants, you know, philodendrons or ferns or anything like that. No fertilizer in the winter time.
8: Okay. What about I brought in a um, oh that Christmas plant, the poinsettia. And so, to get that to turn red, I keep it dark for 12 hours? Yeah,
3: that, I mean, that's, that's a, you know, yeah, every not day, work, in and out, back and forth. And I'm not, you know, I mean, that's it really works. I guess my mother was lucky. She had poinsettias and she never moved them in the dark or anything else. And they always, the, the bracts always change colors every year for her. So, I don't know what, but yeah, in theory, that's what you're supposed to do give them 12 hours of sun. And then, Or 12 hours of light and then 12 hours of darkness. What you're trying to do is kind of mimic what their native habitat does this time of year, which is like okay. s- south part of Mexico.
8: Okay. I'll just hope I got the gene that your mother
3: has. Let's go from there. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Yeah, my mother, <laughs> uh, she wasn't really into plants at all. But uh, she liked to grow them, but she never really had that much success. But with the poinsettia, she was always very lucky.
8: So. Well, she sounds like my kind of girl, so maybe it'll work. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot. Sure. Good luck, Kay. And uh, let's go now to uh, Barb, and she lives in Winsville. Hi, Barb. Good morning, Mike.
13: Hi. Uh,
8: question. Of my butterfly bush is about five foot tall, at least. The ice will break the uh branches i think can i cut that back now and it'll come back next year
3: yeah i mean you could cut it back now or again d- just because it's i mean it would take a lot of ice they're pretty tough even though they've i mean seem like they're brittle and everything else i wouldn't worry too much about the ice you know breaking the branches more so than anything else but uh okay you can uh you- um, go ahead. So
8: the the other question I wanted to ask you was, I know you covered this from last week or something, but I I didn't get the whole thing. Uh, I have, uh, can you cut uh, black-eyed Susans off and they'll come back next year?
3: Yeah, I mean, there should be still foliage on the ground, you know, so that's a good indicator. And also, uh, I mean, those the flower head's the, still there, even though it doesn't have any petals on it. Just let the you know, cut those the flower heads and just let them drop, and those are seeds, and the the seed could germinate for next year.
8: Okay, these things are about uh, three feet tall and brown now. Uh, So I, but I have to leave the heads there because I mean these are volunteer; they've come back for years. But I can't remember the answer to some of these things.
3: Yeah, no, you don't Uh, have to. You can cut the cut the stems off. Just leave the you know the leaves at the ground level. Leave those alone.
8: The same way with my uh, marigolds, uh, probably got a dozen that are two feet across. Do, can I? Do I cut the the buds off now, or just leave it in there till uh, spring? Yeah, I mean the they're not. Thing?
3: Yeah, I mean marigolds are annual, so they're not going to come back.
8: Well, then I gotta. They're not zinnias. Okay. Anyway, basically, I have to cut the heads off and leave it there if I want it. They come back every year.
3: Oh, so these are not marigolds then? Well, oh, getting I'm,
8: old. I can't think of the answer. <laughs>
3: well, maybe uh, they are. Okay. And, you know, I mean, there's some quirky uh, things that just happen. So, anyway, yeah, if you've historically okay. done that and had good luck with it, then I'd say keep on with a system that works. I
8: couldn't. I couldn't remember the answer anymore. Okay, thank you.
3: Okay, and now let's head over to Jim's yard. Hi, Jim.
5: Hello. Hi. Yes, I got a mole in my yard. It, I can't. I can't get him. I, I got traps set out, and he won't go in, in. In the dog on traps, and I keep squishing the the um, runs down and. He just seems like he goes around the traps. You got any suggestions?
3: Basically, you're squashing him down, and then whatever area you start to see him pop up, you got to put those uh, traps on that area that's popped up because that's where he's actively moving back and forth. But I'll tell you, as the ground gets colder, they're going to be actively moving less and less and less.
5: Uh Uh-huh. Do you have any faith in these mole repellers? Uh,
3: To be honest with you, no. But, uh, you, I mean, there are probably plenty, you know, plenty of people that have had luck with them, but uh, you're talking about the ones that make a vibration in the ground? Yeah,
5: right, right. Yeah.
3: So it just depends. If they're already in your yard, it's not going to drive them away. They're basically, in theory, supposed to keep m- new moles from migrating in. But, well,
5: I, I think I only got one. Yeah. And he, didn't, he went all the way around from the back of the house to the front of the house. And now he he won't he won't leave the front of the house.
3: <laughs> probably well, you probably got a nice yard, so you got a lot of earthworms in the front of your house. I guess so. That's I, I mean guess. that's their main diet.
5: Yeah. Well, that's what I've been doing. i have been squashing them down, and wherever I see the dog on runs, come pop back up. I move the trap there, but it seems like he just goes on around it.
3: Yeah, and so then you can only leave it in that one spot for you know a day or two. Then you got to squash them again and then move it again. So it's a constant process.
5: Yeah, you're right. Okay. All right. Well, thanks a lot. I appreciate it.
3: Good luck. Yeah, you've got uh, some tough moles. And um, anyway, Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages.
2: Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX.
3: Yes, folks, we're headed over to Anderson's yard. Hi, Anderson. Hello. Hello. Go ahead, Anderson.
13: Oh, good morning. Good morning. And thank you for your service. Sure. Listen, uh, I I had uh, flag uh, irises in my yard for the last thirty years, but they they've been dying out one at a time. So now I'm down to death a very few, and so with my tulips too. So if anyone's got any bulbs they want to get rid of. I'd be glad to
3: take them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, those things have a longevity factor. There's no getting around it. But if you got that many years out of your iris, that's great. Some of the newer hybrids are not going to live nearly as long as that. And with the tulips, the new ones that you're planting, uh, you're probably going to get about maybe five years out of them at the most.
13: I've replanted tulips several times, and I only get about one year. Yeah.
3: That can, you know, some of the hybrids—that's what happens anymore. So they've sort of accelerated the process, so they can be, so they can sell a zillion of them. But consequently, they took the longevity factor away.
13: So if you if you if you have anyone who wants to get rid of uh, some uh, iris bulbs and some tulip bulbs, I'll be glad to to, to bring them home.
3: <laughs> well, I
13: promise c- I'll give them a good home.
3: <laughs> we well, call Gateway Greening. Thank. you. Thank you. Do you have a number? No, I don't. But just, you know, you can look it up online, Gateway Greening, and they may have some plant material. They generally plant in public areas, but they may have some excess. Who knows?
13: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you again for your service, and I'm, a, I'm an avid listener.
3: Well, great. Well, thanks for having me on your show. I appreciate it.
13: And thank you for having the service for us.
3: Okay. Well, thanks. And now let's go from Anderson to Terry's yard. Terry, how are you? Hi,
7: hi, Mike. I'm good. I second his uh, his comment. I'm an avid listener, and um, I have a question about overwintering ger- geraniums. Mm-hmm. I- I've dug them up and I've cut off all the blooms and and cut the um, the root system down to like two inches and put them in a cardboard box. I-, I saw this on the internet, and then they said, you know, in the spring, then you plant these bare root bulbs. But exactly when is it like? Do you have an idea, maybe Valentine's Day or what, do you have any ideas on how
6: to
3: proceed from here? That's too cold. So basically the geranium, uh, because it's, you know, it's a tender annual in reality. Uh, so you, you have the stems. I would say wait until maybe mid to late April, early, uh, early May before I plant them. Okay, so
7: I maybe could maybe start them inside yes, under um, right. fluorescent lights or under garden lights?
3: Yeah, my my grandmother kept hers. She actually dug them up and put them in pots and put them in the basement window and just left them alone. She never watered them or anything and then took them uh, back outside the next year. Okay. Okay, great. I will uh, see what happens next year. All right. Thank you. Sounds perfect. And let's go to Vida's. Hi, Vida. Um I have a
7: few salvia, perennial plants, and somehow they do not stay upright. So the blooms are also not upright.
3: Uh, Probably. The salvia, I mean, generally if they elongate, then they're going to lay down. So it depends upon the variety. Some of the varieties are shorter, so that's not going to happen with that. But some of the sages do elongate. Now, is this a Russian sage or is this a regular herbal-type sage for cooking? No,
7: it's a uh, just the decorative.
3: Oh, so well there's that's their natural habit. There's nothing you can do about it.
7: So I should buy a shorter variety if I want it. Yeah. But
3: it's the other ones, I mean they may come back. The Russian sage, which is the elongated one, uh, they're tough, they're durable, they'll come back year after year after year. Some of the other varieties are not quite as tough. Okay. Thank you. Certainly. Yeah, I mean, they do lay down. There's no getting around it, and uh, (laughs) they get sleepy. Yeah,
7: (laughs) more so of mine than anybody else's,
3: I think. No, 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 no. (laughs) What's happening to yours is happening to most people's. Okay, okay. Thank you so much. Sure, my pleasure. Yeah, even the ones that are in parks and things along that line with professional care, that's, that's just their growth habit. Jim lives in Imperial. Jim, how are you?
11: I'm fine, thank you. Did, did I lose connection? I don't think so. Oh, okay, we're good. Hey, I have a Rosa Sharon. It's a beautiful tree, but it grew to about eight foot tall and it was always nice and upright. And this year that that uh big windstorm came through and now it's all drooping over. Do I need to do I need to cut it back? And yeah, then I... also one other question, is that a native tree to Missouri or is that some kind of a Implant.
3: Yeah, and in, you know, Rosa Sharon is not native to Missouri, so you wouldn't find it any other place other than some plant that was bought at a garden center. So they're not, uh, you know, native whatsoever.
11: Okay, thank you.
3: Yeah. And now, do
11: I prune, prune, prune it back or what? It's yeah, I would,
3: I would again, uh, you know, you can prune it back now if you want to, but I like to wait until we come out of wintertime. So sometime around mid March, that's, that's when I would do the pruning.
11: Okay, how far back do I cut it?
3: Uh, it's eight feet tall. I would say you could probably cut off half of it if you wanted to.
11: Okay, thanks a lot. Sure. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. Bye bye. They're,
3: they're summer bloomers, so the summer bloomers uh, you can prune all the way up until the new growth begins because they haven't set any buds. The spring bloomers, if you prune them, you know this late, early in the spring before they flower, then you're not going to have any flowers. So you prune them going into wintertime. winter time then you're not going to have any flowers either. So good luck, you. Okay, Jim. Thank, thank you for your information. Sure, my pleasure. And now let's go to Oakville and into Linda's yard. Hi, Linda. Hi, Mike.
7: Hi. Um, I know some people have had really good luck with the mole traps, but we had moles invade our front yard this summer, and we had seven traps uh, plus one of those scissor kinds that our neighbor walked by and said he had great success with that. Well, we didn't get anything in any of those traps and we had them set exactly the way they should be over the tunnels. So anyway, we went up to the handyman true value hardware store and got Victor poison peanuts. They're Mm. in a cone shaped package and they're really reasonably priced only about $5 and they're in a cone shaped package. So you locate the tunnel and push the cone down in there and then just turn it over and dump some of the peanuts in. Now, we put a lot of the peanuts out, and that got rid of the moles of traps. And we've had maybe success in the past with catching a couple moles in those, but so I highly recommend those to that guy who's going nuts with the moles. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> And if they're popping up, that means they're still, you know, the ground's not... Yet, so they're still active, right? So, if he gets those right away, I think he can get rid of them.
3: All right, well, great, good insight. Yeah, I mean, there's the and you can inject things into the ground too that kind of looks like and smells like earthworms, and it's a poison too. So, that's another way, but you have to do all that kind of stuff. Yeah, we tried
7: those, those are work sometimes, but they're much more expensive. They're about four times the cost of these peanuts, oh. and they, I think they disintegrate somewhat. when We had them when all that rain was coming, and we did not get them with those this time. We have gotten them in the past, but those are expensive. They're like $20 a package right. unless you get them on sale. So I highly recommend the peanuts because they really work. Okay, I can great. testify to that.
3: Well, thanks, Thank you. Linda. Love yeah. the program. Well, thanks. And thanks for the insight. Have a good weekend. You do the very same thing. Uh, let's see. Ken, how are you today?
16: Good morning. Hi. Thank you. Um, I need to plant some oak trees. Um, you know, We've uh, got a resort property down in deep southern Illinois, south of Marion, on the edge of the uh, Shawnee Forest. Obviously poor soils and lots of deer. So <laughs> thoughts on is it okay to plant them now, if I can find them? And what are your thoughts on the Mexican white
3: oaks? The Mexican white oak, I would, I'm the white oaks I like personally. The red oaks are the ones that ultimately can end up with the galls and other problems where the white oaks won't. But I don't know the Mexican white oak, but just the white oak group in general, I think, is you know, should be fine. And I'm assuming, are you getting them from like the, the state uh, forestry department or are you actually buying them? You know, like, I think
16: I'm just going to buy them through a local nursery. I want a little size on them. Um, I want them to. I'd like to see them grow a little bit during my lifetime, anyway. So, uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, I'm thinking about buying them. But am I going to need to fence these things too to keep the deer away from them?
3: Yeah, you, um, it all depends if there's other trees in that area that are relatively not huge. Then um, you could go ahead and plant them and not tr- try to put anything around it to protect them. But if there's basically a lot of big trees and these are gonna be the new young trees, they're probably always gonna you know sort of mark those.
16: They enjoyed all the hostas that we planted there. Let's put it <laughs> of that. course. Okay. So uh stick with the white oaks. It's okay to plant them this time of year?
3: Yeah, definitely. Okay. Just just dig the hole three times the diameter right. and eighty percent as deep.
16: Yeah. You need a very strong shovel in the back and a strong back in that soil down there.
3: So. <laughs> well, pretty much. All right. Thank you very much. Yeah, Appreciate my pleasure. It. And if anybody else has questions, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120.
2: Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX.
3: Yes, folks, if you do miss anything during the show, you can do a podcast. Go to com podcast page and just do the garden hotline, and you can rehear the whole show. So that's if you miss out on something information-wise or anything else, that's a very good, easy way to do it. So let's go now to Susie's yard. Hi, Susie.
10: Hello. Hi. Uh, I want to give a, uh, something on the moles. I had a mole, and what the moles work at 6 in the morning, 12 noon, and 4 in the afternoon. And if you take a spade and you see them working, you hit behind them. You put the spade in the ground behind them and flip it up, and the mole will come out.
3: That does work very easily and very good.
10: Okay, and then I wanted to tell you that I had a... I bought an avocado and I took the seed and I put it in a pot out in the yard mm-hmm. and I put some fake flowers on top. I wanted to see if it would grow. Well, I brought my fake flowers in and I have a three-inch avocado plant. All right. Now, how? What do I do with that? Do I have to keep it in the sunlight and the? And will it grow inside or outside next year?
3: Uh, basically, they're going to do better outside than inside. And, uh, yeah, I'll just put it in front of a sunny window. Don't overwater it. Be careful.
10: Okay. It it doesn't take a lot of water.
3: No. Definitely okay. not during the winter time.
10: Okay. And I also have a third question. Is straw better to mulch roses or not?
3: No. Don't do straw. Oh. It doesn't really help. I see.
10: Okie doke. Well, it does make a big mess. <laughs> yes.
3: It definitely does, so. and it doesn't... It just doesn't work like mulch. It doesn't, you know, have the density as far as protecting the crown of the roses.
10: Okay. Okay. Well, thank you for your, all the information that you give everybody. I know we all appreciate
3: you very much. Well, thanks. Thanks for the compliment. And now let's head over to Dave's yard. Hi, Dave.
5: So I've got some maple cannabis indoors, and I've got two plants of the same cultivar that have started telling, turning yellow with some rusty-colored spots on the leaves. I it f- deficiency, or what do
14: you think is going on here?
5: Uh,
3: I miss the first part of your question. Okay, I'm growing some medical cannabis indoors, oh. and two of the same
5: cultivar are starting to turn yellow and giving me uh, orange rusty spots on the leaves. Is there some kind of deficiency going on, or, or something going on that... A pH, the a water, the water's all old, it's not, you know, coordinated or nothing, so I'm just trying to figure out what's causing it. any
3: ideas? Uh, basically, I mean, the spots on the leaves, and they're obviously inside, you know, this time right. of year, and they're under grow lights, my guess is they're probably not, the lighting that you're using is not bright enough. Really? Yeah.
14: Okay.
3: That would okay, be my well, guess.
14: I'm- I'll give
5: that some, I'll, I'll do some
3: adjustments. That's Mike, I appreciate it. All right, great. Good luck with that. And now let's go to Gary's yard. Hi, Gary. Hi, Mike. Hi.
14: Um, a couple questions. I just heard that it's probably too late to uh, re-overseed my yard. Uh, it was so dry in September. I, I've got a bag of seed sitting in my garage. I was going to seed it. it just. I, I waited for the rains, and now apparently it's too late. Uh, so, can number one? Can I keep that seed till next spring?
3: Yeah, you're going to lose a certain percentage by doing that. How so,
14: uh, um, how should I store it? Uh, just keep it dry. Okay. Uh, I was also going to aerate my yard. I've not aerated my yard in 30 years, as mm. long as I've been here. Uh, I do have heavy lawnmowers and small utility tractors driving on certain parts of it. Uh, should I aerate it? now or wait till this spring?
3: I would go ahead and core aerate right now and then cover it and then put about a half inch or so of compost after you core aerate. Right.
14: Okay. I probably won't be able to do that because I've got over like three quarters of an acre here. Okay. Uh, so I just aerate it and loosen it up and let let the, the moisture and stuff get into the the root zone. Is that correct?
3: Exactly. So go north and south and then go east and west both since you haven't done it forever. Forever. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much, Mike. Sure, my pleasure. And that's going to be it. So, uh, Tim, Marie, and Jay, we're not going to be able to get to you today. Mike Miller, KMWASH Garden Hotline. I will see you next week.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on What's in Your Podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive.